0: Welcome to EURACTIV's Digital Brief Podcast. My name is Luca Bertuzzi, Digital and Media Editor. This week, we look at China's new digital policy and its potential impact on European businesses. For an overview on all things digital in the EU, sign up to our free newsletter or visit the website youractive.com. This is EURACTIV's Digital Brief Podcast. This episode is powered by Google. People around the world are looking for ways to do their part to help the planet. And they want businesses to step up their efforts, too. This is why recently we shared several new ways people can use Google products to make sustainable choices, from choosing eco-friendly routes to searching greener flights. Today, I'm joined by Vera De Marie, head of a research unit of the German Economic Institute. Welcome, Vera, and thank you for being with us.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: So you have recently conducted a study on uh, China and its new digital policy. Can you introduce to us the topic and what China has been doing on this uh, regard?
1: China um, has been regulating a lot recently in the digital sphere. Um, The main goal is um, the creation of growth and um, to ensure the uh, political stability of the Chinese party. So um, setting a framework for digitalization is part of this overall strategy. Um, China has implemented a lot of different regulations um, on digitalization. The most recent ones um, um, are the data protection law, which is uh, has come into effect on September 1st this year. And the personal information protection law, which will come into effect on November 1st. So there's a lot of new regulation that businesses need to deal with in China. And a lot of the most recent regulation deals with how to deal with data.
0: In the Western press, at least, we have heard a lot of uh, arguments that uh, Beijing is cracking down on its uh, big tech uh, and uh, trying to rein in companies that were perceived as too powerful. To what extent do you think this uh, this argumentation is solid and uh, is grounded on reality?
1: That it's a part of the uh, overall Chinese strategy to um, reduce the size of um, its large um, digital companies But besides this, we're seeing a lot of regulation that um, covers companies that are not digital companies in themselves, but that that are just industry-related companies or um, service companies um, in in some other areas. So a lot of the um, Chinese um, digital regulation is aimed at all companies and not just the tech companies.
0: Why is Beijing uh, trying to reduce the size of this company? Is it because they were afraid they would uh, become new centers of power? What does it mean for a Chinese company at a global level? Will, uh, Will they remain only regional actors because so far uh, Chinese companies have been the only ones able to compete with American companies on a global scale.
1: Yeah, that's true. That's a very interesting point, actually. Um, before China started working on breaking the larger companies um, up or reining them in, um, sort of, um, they were working together with them, sort of to uh, uh, counteract the American um, large tech companies. Um What we're seeing recently, I think, is um, uh, an even stronger uh, vow to try to consolidate political power. I think a lot of the regulation, especially um, with respect to the large Chinese tech companies, um, is geared towards um, consolidating power in the hands of the political party in China. So as to the competition aspects with the American companies, I think um, that will weaken the extent to which Chinese companies can compete with the American ones. That's true. But even now, a lot of the large American companies have um, left the Chinese market because of regulation. So there's, there's a lot of shifts going on, and it's really hard to tell at the moment where this is going to, to end up or what is going to be a stable uh, state
0: so let's talk about uh, EU businesses. What do you see as uh, the potential impact for businesses for European businesses that want to do business in China?
1: A lot of European businesses are already doing business with China uh, as in exporting goods and services to China or are doing business in China as in producing in China. So a lot of the, the current um, changes in regulation already affect a, a lot of European businesses. And um, the changes in regulation um, make it necessary for European businesses um, to uh, comply with the law. So there's a, there's a lot of costs involved, a lot of resources that need to be put into compliance because if companies don't comply with these um regulations um they are put on blacklists and um, they're not allowed to do business in certain certain areas anymore so it's a very very strict uh, set of rules that companies need to adhere to and uh, what we expect is that this will change the way that european companies deal with china or see the chinese market still as an attractive market for their products um we um did a survey among 1,100 German companies in 2020. These are companies from industry and industry-related services. And more than 50% of those companies expect that the Chinese market will only be able to be served um, via production in China and not via exports anymore within five years. So this is something that could be a threat to European companies' business models even.
0: Is this intentional? Is the Chinese government trying to put up barriers forcing uh, European or other other businesses to establish in China to continue their business there?
1: I think it is. Part of it is um, that China wants to close itself off to strengthen Chinese businesses and to allow access uh, for the Chinese state to data, for example and um part of it is also um i think the that they want to the European or other companies to um to relocate or to produce more um, within China, especially seeing now that the the conditions for production as in labor costs, for example, are not as attractive um anymore as they used to
0: so one of the fundamentals of the market economy is that competition is good and makes prices go down makes your uh, companies more competitive do you think that in the long term china risks to lose its competitive edge by closing off to to competition from abroad
1: on the one hand that that is obviously something that that should happen if we follow the the rules of market um, economics but on the other hand, what the companies in the survey that I mentioned think, more four, than, four out of five companies out of, in that survey think that the subsidies that the Chinese state pays its companies a in the digital sphere allows them a competitive edge that, that is going to be lasting. So the, the Chinese state doesn't only rein in companies and set strict rules, but they also uh, subsidize um massively, um, all sorts of companies. So um, competition, I think, will w- work differently in five years, in 10 years uh, with respect to China, just because the state is involved in a, on a whole different scale than it is um, in Europe or in the United
0: States. So how can European companies compete With Chinese companies in this scenario and what can they do to adapt uh, to the new uh, regulatory framework in China?
1: For European companies, the question now is um, whether they want to remain in China or if they want to pull out. Um, For those who are not active in the Chinese market yet, the regulation and all these um, things that are going on in China obviously makes it a much harder decision whether to to become active in the market as an exporter or um, as a, a, someone who produces in China, so necessary uh, on all of these aspects is to um, keep up to date with the regulation because that's that's something that um, that is very important. Um, as I mentioned, that um, to stay on the good side <laughs> of the Chinese government and um, to comply with laws uh, with the laws and seek legal advice and representation in China to be able to to make this decision in the end it comes down to an individual um, corporate decision whether um, how to how to act with uh, respect to China and whether it's worthwhile being active in China despite all the the drawbacks this has for um, things like intellectual property rights of European companies and things like that
0: so you said that uh, Chinese uh, public authorities are very much involved in the economy. What should European policymakers uh, at the EU or national level do uh, to support their businesses?
1: I think it's a two-fold strategy is necessary. On the one hand, uh, what we need to do in Europe is to strengthen the competitiveness of European businesses, um, setting a framework that is um, has good conditions for startups, for example. Um, complete the digital single markets, um, aspects like this, and also follow the path to um, set up smart framework conditions for um, uh, the digital world, as has been successfully done with the GDPR, for example, that has been copied by by other nations. That That's basically one pillar. The other pillar has to be to try to cooperate with China on the level of the European Union to, to start regular talks about um, digital topics, about regulation. So to install sort of a continuous dialogue with the aim of trying to achieve a productive cooperation instead of uh, China closing itself off even further and to be able to achieve this and to have a better sort of bargaining position, it's necessary, from my view, to um, strengthen transatlantic cooperation in digitization as it's being done with the TTC, sort of to to set up a, a strategy of dealing with China um, together. And I think that there's a new opportunity for this um, with the Biden administration.
0: And indeed, one of the key uh, points of the TTC is about Uh, contrasting uh, anti-competitive practices from so-called non-market economies, read China. Uh, And among these practices are the public subsidies that you were mentioning. Do you think that uh, a Western front could be able to force China out of this strategy of subsidizing uh, its companies?
1: I think it's more a question of bargaining for this than of forcing um, China out of a position because China is making a strong point that they're doing what they want and they're regulating in a way that they deem fit for their purposes. And this is obviously something that is contradictory to to European or even American um, views. So I think what we need to do is to to set up a a dialogue and try to... um, make China see um, the, the advantages that a corporation has um, for their businesses um, instead of trying to, trying to force them into, into doing
0: this. What happens if China suddenly runs out of money? I mean, they have been growing for decades now. That's also why they have so much uh, money available to invest in growth, but that's also a potential weakness because if the economic cycle slows down, then you don't have so much money to, uh, to, to invest and it might become a debt trap. Don't you think that in the long run, this uh, economic model uh, is not sustainable?
1: I think this is something to consider even... Talking about these bargaining uh, that I mentioned, um, I read an interesting article yesterday that uh, stated that part of the reason why China is um, uh, trying to enforce um, more of its competition law in, with respect to uh, large tech companies is that it's um, it needs the money from the fines that it imposes on on the large tech companies on the large Chinese tech companies, and I thought that was an interesting point. So the 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 issue that china needs money for this sort of um business model to work is is very is at the center of everything so i think um you might be right and we might see changes in chinese policy just because um money's running out that that could could very well happen but um so far we're not seeing it so it's, it's something to consider in the future and something to uh, that might be a bargaining chip
0: as well That's all we got time for this week. Don't forget to sign up to our free digital brief newsletter to receive a comprehensive overview on digital affairs in the world of European politics and policy. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast published on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and Amazon Music. I'm your Luca Bertuzzi and thank you for listening.